Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, Ocean family. Merry Christmas, you guys. You know, I have to say it feels weird saying that right now because it's still so hot outside, but it's okay. This is Florida. We're used to it, and we're going to just crank the AC down and drink our hot chocolate, right? Well, we are in our series called A Gift Given, and you know, I'm so thankful for this series. I feel like it's not your typical Christmas series. Last week, Pastor Phil preached a powerful word, and you know, I think in this series that God is speaking a timely word over our community, so I'm excited to get into the word today. Are you ready for the word? All right, stand up on your feet, and let's read our key verse together. This is John 10, verse 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Everybody lift your hands like this. This is what we do in in freedom ministry, and we're going to pray to the Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. God, we offer up every part of our hearts to you right now. Holy Spirit, search us. Shine your light on us. Show us if there's any parts of us, any wounds that need to be healed. God, set us free as only you can. And I pray that in this time, that it would not be my words, but that it would be your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, last week, week, Pastor Phil kicked off our series, and as we're talking about a gift given, you know, he shared with us three things that the enemy tries to steal from us, but that Christ came to restore, and we saw how Christ comes to restore our peace and our pace and our position. We saw how in the Garden of Eden, paradise was lost, but how on the cross, paradise was restored. And I believe that God is speaking a word of restoration over our community through this series. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to stay in this key verse. And each week, we're going to take another look, a closer look at John 10.10, and we're not going to move past it right now because God is speaking to us through it. Now, John 10.10 is very interesting to me because it's in this verse that Jesus refers to the enemy as a thief and a robber. And he exposes his plans to come into our life to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You know, years ago, Eric and I had only been married for a few years. We didn't have kids yet. We were living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we were both at work one day, and our house was robbed. And we know that it was teenagers that came in, they broke into the house, they took what they could, and they ran. We never caught the teenagers, we never got our stuff back, but we knew that it was teenagers and not professionals because of what they stole. (laughs) They bypassed all of our electronics, and instead they took my jewelry, which only had sentimental value, 
And they went into Eric's office where he had thousands of dollars worth of guitar gear just sitting out in the open. And they walked past all of the guitar gear and they stole our change jar. Yeah, true story. So we had this old jar that we would put our loose change in, and if we ever wanted to eat out, but we didn't have enough money, we always knew we could get change from the change jar and go to Taco Bell. So it was like our Taco Bell fund. Now, some of you don't know about that Taco Bell fund. So I'm going to school you today, okay? I'm going to teach you about a Taco Bell fund. So there's never more than about $15 worth of change in uh, the change jar. But that's okay, because even if you wanted to splurge, you could get like one of everything on the menu for less than $15. That's a Taco Bell fund. So these guys, and listen, listen, don't judge us for eating Taco Bell, okay? We were young, we were in the ministry, and we were living off of love and tacos, okay? But these guys stole our Taco Bell fund. They weren't very smart. Like, they didn't know what they were doing. They could have gotten caught and taken to jail over Taco Bell money. They clearly did not know what they were doing. I want you to know today that the enemy knows what he is doing. He's not an amateur. He's been studying you for years. He has your number. He knows your weaknesses and he knows what will hurt you. And if Jesus comes to give us life more abundant, then the enemy comes in to attack those areas and steal those areas that will diminish our quality of life. But we need to be encouraged today because we know that Jesus comes to restore those areas. So today I want us to take a look at three different areas that Jesus comes to restore in our lives. Now the first thing that Jesus comes to restore is joy. Joy. Now I want you to know joy is not just like a cute word that we put in Christmas cards during the holidays, okay? There's a deeper meaning to joy. True joy is biblical. The Bible tells us that in God's presence there is fullness of joy. Now this is interesting because God chose joy to be a marking factor of his presence. And I think that was because God wanted us to know that he is a God of joy. All right, so I want us to have a deeper understanding of joy today. And there's a couple things that I want you to know about joy. First of all, joy is relational. You know, uh, when I think back over my life and, and the times when I've had the most joy, it's almost always tied to relationship, one of the times of, of greatest joy in my life was whenever I became a mom. I remember when we had my oldest daughter, I was exhausted. No one in my household was sleeping. And at one point, I didn't know if it was like day or night or how long it had been since my last shower. I wasn't aware of time or what was going on in the rest of the world, but none of that mattered because I had my baby. You know, I felt like I could just look at her all day long. There was joy in that relationship. 
I think about when Eric and I first started dating and all the joy that was in our relationship. We could not wait to be together. We just loved to spend time together. I mean, we spent every waking moment together. And if we weren't together, we were talking on the phone about when we were going to get together, you know? And, and it, that was the whole, you hang up. No, you hang up. You first. It was disgusting. <laughs> But there was joy, you know, there was so much joy in the relationship and we didn't have much, but you know what? We didn't need anything else because we had each other. There was joy in the relationship. I think about when I first received salvation. Think about when you first received salvation. What was that like? You know, when I first entered into a relationship with Jesus, when I learned that God loved me just as I am, that God is not mad at me, you know, that God wants to be our heavenly father and to walk through life with us. When I learned that, everything changed. Now, all of a sudden, I couldn't wait to get up in the mornings and spend time with the Lord to read the word and pray. I couldn't wait for Sundays when I would go to, go to church and worship God with all of his people. There was so much joy in my salvation Sometimes we look back over those beginning stages of our walk with the Lord and all the joy that we haven't had at that time and we think, what happened? When did I lose my joy? You know, what changed? God's love for me didn't change. My salvation didn't change. What changed? Well, King David speaks to this in the Psalms when he says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. We see that the enemy comes in over time. He sneaks in and he tries to steal our joy, but we know that Jesus came to restore it. So joy is relational. Another thing I want you to know about joy is that joy is eternal. It is lasting. Listen, your problems are temporary, but joy is eternal. If you're here today and you're going through trials and tribulations and difficult times, I want you to know that there is an expiration date on your problems. But there is no end to God-given joy. You need to remind yourself today, this won't last for forever. Even if your problems are not resolved in this lifetime, we're not taking them with us to heaven. So be encouraged today and know that your problems are temporary, but joy is eternal. Let's look at what God's word has to say about this. James chapter one, verses two through four. It says, my brethren, count it all what? Joy. Joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We count it all joy when we face trials. Now this might sound a little bit crazy to you. Let me word it differently for you today. We choose joy in the face of our trials. 
That means that you have a choice today. No matter what you're going through in life, you can choose joy. You are not trapped. Joy is not circumstantial. It is a choice, and we can choose to have joy today. Now, maybe you're here and you're saying, that's great, Pastor Angie. I want to choose joy, but how do I get it? Like, how do I do that? Well, it's really simple. If you need joy in your life, then we just need to be around the one who has joy. Remember, the Bible says in his presence, there's fullness of joy. It's all the joy that you'll ever need. So if you need joy today, get into the presence of God. Turn on worship music in your car, in your home. Worship the Lord. Turn to scriptures. Talk to God wherever you're at. Listen, I might step on some toes here, but turn off the Christmas music for a little bit and turn on some worship music. If you are lacking joy, get into the presence of God and let him restore it for you because it's contagious. You know, don't catch a cold this holiday season. Catch joy from the presence of the Lord. So the first thing that Jesus comes to restore is joy. The second thing that he restores is stability. You know, after Ian, after the storm, for a period of time as a community, we lost our sense of stability. Uh, we couldn't count on text messages or phone calls to go out if we were trying to check on people. We couldn't count on the power to be on or the water to be clean. For, for weeks afterwards, in certain parts of our area, we had to boil the water to make sure it was clean. Restaurants were closed for a long time. Starbucks was closed. Come on, somebody. Guys, I got to make a confession today. Starbucks was closed for so long, and I began to see parts of myself that I was not prepared to face, and I'm not proud of it. The schools were closed for about three weeks. God bless you, parents. We have a freedom class for you. <laughs> Our daily routines were blown out of the water. We didn't know what each day would hold, and it's not that we were living in fear. It's that we lost our sense of stability, and it was unsettling. So as we began to pick up the pieces and to put our lives back together, you would hear people say things like, man, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Do you remember that? Man, I, I just, I can't wait for it all to get back to normal. And what we really meant was this, I am ready for stability. I'm going to take it a step further. For those who lost possessions or their cars or their home in the storm, they experienced an even greater level of instability. For them, and maybe that's some of you, for you, now it's not just that the world outside of your door was unstable, but now it was that your home was unstable your refuge, your place of comfort had been shaken and torn apart. 
And if you experienced that, it's possible that you may have been processing this even on a subconscious level over the last few weeks. And, and maybe you've thought things like, man, why do I feel so anxious right now? I'm not normally an anxious person. Or why do I still feel unsettled? You know, we're, we're building the house and putting things back together. Everything's fine. Why do I feel unsettled? This is why. The world around us was shaken. And I believe that God wants to remind us today, whether you experienced loss or whether you witnessed loss, God wants to remind you today that he alone is our stability. That our stability is found in him. He alone is our rock. He's our fortress. Our lives are built upon the firm foundation of Christ Jesus. Our stability is not found in our home. It's not found in the world around us. It's not found in, in you know, the world of finance. The market can do what it's going to do, but that's not where our stability lies. Our stability is not found in the government. Lord Jesus, help us. That's not where it belongs. Our stability is not found in the school systems. It's not in your job. It's not in relationships. And listen, it's not in yourself. We put too much confidence in ourselves for stability when true stability can only come from Christ alone. All right, so let's see what God's word has to say about this. Ephesians 3, verses 16 and 17. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. Everybody say inner strength. Through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. Okay, these verses speak of stability. In the Bible, stability is tied to roots. And we see that as we're rooted in God's love, rooted in his word, rooted in his family, that our lives begin to develop a sense of stability. That's where it comes from. Now, I have to tell you that when I first read this verse, I cringed a little bit, and I was hesitant to compare the stability of our lives to the roots of trees, because after the storm, we saw so many huge, beautiful trees. Some of them were like landmarks of our community, and they were completely uprooted and lying on the side of the road. During the storm, we stayed with Anna and the kids. Pastor Josh was in Texas with the staff, and our home was in a flood zone, so we were very thankful for the invitation. So we stayed with Anna, and the kids kept each other distracted. I think they thought it was one giant sleepover, like they were blissfully unaware of the storm that was going outside the house. But when the storm was at its worst, remember, remember it hovered over our area for a very long time. And in the midst of that, there was a moment when our phones, the alarms went off and it said, take shelter now. And so we went to an inner room of their house, which was the master closet. And I'm so thankful that this was a large master closet because I'm telling you, there were eight kids, two dogs, 
three adults and a partridge in a pear tree in that closet for three hours. All right. But while we were there, you know, we could just hear the wind whipping around the house. And I mean, it was crazy. The wind was so loud. And we watched as, you know, um, some shutters on the side of the house were completely peeled off the house by the force of the wind. And we had a clear view to the backyard and we could see this big, beautiful mango tree that they had in their backyard. I mean, it looked like it had been around for decades. It was just massive. And you know, the deer and the birds and woodland creatures would come and eat the fruit off of it. I feel like we're in Snow White right now. And the kids would play underneath the shade of the tree. I mean, it was just this big, beautiful tree that by all accounts, looking at it, the outside appearances, you would think that nothing could ever shake it. And we watched as this tree was ripped up root by root and put on its side. In the strongest part of the storm, our cell service was awful. You know, everybody was trying to check on us and text messages and phone calls, nothing was getting out, except a few random text messages went out from my phone. So Anna asked me to send a text to Pastor Josh to let him know that his family was okay. So I went back and I looked through my old text messages and I found this. And I want to give you some context. You know, Pastor Josh has shared with us, this is right when all of our staff was at this conference, you know, in, in Texas. And, and they were all up in this conference room of this hotel. And they were like on their faces, crying out to God for our safety. And this is the text that went through to him. Anna's messages aren't going out. Your mango tree is down. We are all safe and in the closet. <laughs> now, I don't know if that message brought him peace or more distress, but that was the best I could do in the moment. You know, just to the point, tree's down, we're in the closet, everybody's fine. But we watched as this beautiful, massive tree was completely uprooted. And you know, even today, as you drive down Corkscrew and as you drive down different streets, even as you go home from church today, you're gonna pass by some big, beautiful trees that are completely uprooted and on their side because the storm took them out. So you see why I was hesitant at first to compare the stability of our lives to the roots of these trees, but we can't get away from this. You see, in God's word, um, trees are used to represent the people of God. All throughout scripture, you and I are, are represented by trees. Now, for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you one example. But in Psalm chapter 1, it compares a godly person to a tree. And it says that he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also will not wither and whatsoever he does will prosper. We are like trees. 
And if we are to be like trees, then that means that we better make sure that we are rooted and planted in Christ Jesus. Not only that, but we better make sure that our roots are not just on a surface level, but that our roots are going deeply into Christ. Because the storms of life are going to come our way. The enemy's going to try to steal our stability, but if our roots go deeply into Christ, then we will not be shaken. This means that what's above the surface is less important than what's below the surface. And I want to ask you today, what is the condition of your roots? Where are you planted? How deeply do your roots go down into Christ Jesus? Let's check our roots today and make sure that we're planted in him so that the enemy can send all the storms he wants, but we will not be shaken. Christ Jesus restores our stability. Okay, so he restores our joy, he restores stability, and he restores our health. Jesus lived and died so that you could be made whole. Maybe nobody's ever said this to you before, but I want to say it to you today, that your health, both physical and mental, are very important to Jesus. Why? Because it's a part of your abundant life. In the Bible, in Matthew 19, verse 2, we see that the crowds were following Jesus everything, everywhere he went, and it says that he healed their sick. This was an important ministry of Jesus, that he had compassion on the people and he healed their sick. All throughout scripture, we see his passion to heal people. And I want you to know that here at Ocean Church, we believe in the healing power of the blood of Jesus. And this is something that we are not going to back down from. Just the other day, Pastor Josh was sharing this with our staff, that until our dying breath, we will declare and believe in the healing power of the blood of Jesus. We will not stop praying for his healing. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That word healed in the original Hebrew text, it means thoroughly made whole. And I love to share that with people because he wants you to be thoroughly made whole inside and out. You know, when the... Um, the, the Romans flogged Jesus 39 times before he went to the cross. And this process, it left marks all over his body and stripes all over his body. And the Bible tells us that these stripes addressed every sickness and every disease that we could ever face. That means that those stripes addressed heart disease and cancer and strokes and diabetes. That those stripes of Jesus addressed mental health. That it addresses depression and suicidal tendencies and even PTSD. You know, I've heard doctors say that PTSD is not curable and that you just have to manage it. But I believe that with God, all things are possible. 
I believe that his stripes addressed even PTSD. And I use that as an example today because maybe the doctors have diagnosed you as something that they're saying you just have to live with. You just have to manage. But his stripes speak a better word over your body. He came so that we could be restored and so that we could be made whole. In just a little bit, we're going to take communion. And every time we take communion, we are honoring Jesus for the sacrifice that he made for us so that we could be made whole. Now, it might seem strange to you for us to talk about the death of Jesus this close to Christmas. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, isn't the death of Jesus more of like an Easter thing? You know, why are we talking about that right now? Well, yes, we do highlight that around Easter time. But it's important for you to understand that everything in the birth of Jesus pointed to the death of Jesus. I want us to take a look at Luke chapter 2. We read this last week, but I want us to read this again. Verses 8 through 12. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. All right, here we go. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. All right, when the angels appeared to the shepherds and they said, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. The sign that they were given was that they would find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Now, I've often wondered, why was that the sign that they were given? You know, the wise men, they got a star. Like, why was this the sign that God chose for the shepherds? Well, I'm going to tell you why. The shepherds were watching their flocks of sheep outside of the city of Bethlehem. And they had many uh, lambs that were born in their flock that would be used for sacrifices within the temple. So remember, well, so during that time, they would take the sheep into the, the bottom floor of a watchtower to give birth to the sacrificial lambs. Now remember, sacrificial lambs were different than the other lambs. In order to qualify for that, they had to be perfect, without spot, without blemish. That means they couldn't have a, a, a scratch, they couldn't be bleeding, they couldn't have a broken leg, none of that. They had to be perfect. Now catch this. So to protect the sacrificial lambs when they were born, the shepherds would take them and wrap them in strips of cloth and lie them on soft hay in a feeding trough. So when they saw Jesus wrapped in strips of cloth and lying on hay in a feeding trough, they immediately knew that he was to be the sacrificial lamb. 
that he would one day give his life as a ransom, as payment for the sins of all mankind so that we could be made whole. So we can't celebrate the birth of Jesus without celebrating the purpose for which he was born. So we're going to do that together today. I thought it would be very fitting for us to take communion together today. So go ahead and stand up on your feet and get your communion element ready. You can peel back the plastic and get it ready and just hold on to it. And while you're doing that, I want to tell you something that, you know, taking communion, this is a believer's practice. And what that means is that Jesus instructed his followers to take communion on a, a regular basis to remember his sacrifice. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't need to take communion. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is the perfect opportunity for you to receive salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. So I want to invite everybody. We're going to pause for just a second. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody's looking around. If God is tugging on your heart and saying, today is your day of salvation. If your heart is ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. You don't have to wait. Just slip it up so I know who I'm praying for today. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I see that hand. Praise God. Okay, if you raise your hand, or if you were supposed to raise your hand, um, then as I pray out loud, I want you to just pray in agreement in your heart, okay? Jesus, come into my heart and life. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender everything to you. God, I thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life today. I thank you that now I am I'm included in your family. And God, I want to live the rest of my life for you. Jesus, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, church family, everybody grab the bread. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for us so that we could be made whole. In reverence and worship, let's take the bread. This is juice. It's not anything else, but it's juice. But it represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. You know, let's just take about 10 seconds and worship Jesus for his blood. Would you just praise him right now? Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we honor you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for doing what we could not do. Thank you for abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the juice together. I want to invite you to just set your cup down on your chair. Nobody move around for just a moment. We'll collect the trash later. I believe that God is, is touching some hearts today. And I think there are some of you here and you need healing. And we want to pray for you.
So I'm gonna pray over you right now, but I wanna, as I'm praying, I wanna invite our prayer partners to go ahead and make their way to the front. So everybody bow your heads and let's pray. Jesus, bless your people today. Lord, I pray for those who have lost their joy. God, would you restore it? Lord, even in, in my heart, there's been times recently when I could have chosen joy and I didn't. Would you forgive me? God, restore into us our joy. Lord, I pray for those who have lost their sense of stability. Jesus, would you restore that today? Would you give them peace? God, I thank you that you've given us power, love, and a sound mind. And we stand on that today. And now, Lord, I pray for those who need supernatural healing. God, I pray that they would um, have courage to come forward and have someone pray with them. I pray, God, that you would do a miracle in their life. God, something that the doctors can't explain. We believe that by your stripes, we are healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.